listening to a podcast from GravityChurch.com, Lodi, California. Well, it's good to see you guys here tonight. We've been talking about this idea of what it means to be part of the family of God. What exactly does it mean when we become a part of God and into his family and how does that affect us and how does that affect our lives and our relationships and most importantly, how is it supposed to affect the world all around us? And we've been looking at this this big idea of Jesus coming to earth for the, the passion and the purpose and the pursuit of bringing about a way for his family to be brought together as one. Now, I don't know if any of you guys here have ever experienced the tragedy or the heartbreak of having a family that gets torn apart, whether it's through divorce or whether it's through, uh, you know, an unresolved issue or something. But I've felt that pain. I've got, I've got family members in my own family that won't acknowledge that they're even blood-related. I've got... I've got, a fam- I've got family members whose a mother won't even acknowledge her own son and brothers that, that live in the same town, but they won't even speak to each other. It's heartbreaking. It affects everything. It affects their lives. It affects their children's lives. It affects peripheral lives. It affects their community where they live. And God felt that same tearing apart and that same tragic pain. And because his heart hurt, he wanted to bring us back together. And so Jesus came and Jesus taught about a way that was foreign to us because you and I have gotten used to living separated. We've gotten used to the pain. We've gotten used to the fact that sometimes you just can't get along and you just can't be connected. And Jesus came and he modeled something completely different. Matter of fact, in one of Jesus' final interactions here on planet Earth with his disciples, his followers, before he goes back to heaven, he begins to lay out this amazing message of unity, of being connected, of coming together, of being called one. And he summarizes it by saying a prayer. And he opens his heart and he looks to heaven and he prays. He says, Father, I pray that you would make them one just as you and I are one. And he says this powerful word. He says, let them experience such perfect unity, such perfect unity. And then he says this, he says, if the world sees this happen, if the world sees my followers become one and become united in perfect unity, look at the words, they will know that you sent me, Jesus, and that you love them. Jesus says that if we, his followers, will come together as one, We are the proof to the world of God's love. When we come together as one, we demonstrate the true image of the love of God. Now, we've been talking about how this works practically because we got to be honest, there's people that we just don't like. There's people in our world that call themselves Christians or followers of Christ who we don't believe the same as they do. We've got people in our world who we look at and we go, I don't know anything about them, but I know that whatever they have, it looks different than what I have, and I don't know how to connect. 
And we begin talking about this concept of learning how to embrace others that are different than us. Learning how to accept relational dynamics in our lives. We've learned that you and I need each other. The Bible uses this analogy of being a body and how a body would be not complete if it didn't have all of its different parts working and how each one of us makes up these different parts. And ultimately, we've realized is that it's more than just lip service. We belong to each other. I belong to you and you belong to me. We are connected. We are one. And when I am connected with you and you are connected with me, There's a commitment that comes with that. And we've actually said these words to each other. We've said this bold statement. We've said, I may not be able to fix you. I may not be able to change your heart, but I am committed to walk through this life with you no matter what. No matter what comes, we are committed to each other because we know that if we are going to be one, if we are going to have unity, it means that we have to go through thick and thin together. We have to be committed to the people that God places in our lives. And we are committed to you. We've also learned that in order for this commitment to truly be lived out, it takes relationship. And it takes a real relationship. And it means that I have to learn to trust you. I have to learn to let you into the places in my heart that I am scared to let you into. I have to let you into the places of my heart that have been hurt before, that have been damaged, I have to learn how to let God's healing into those places so that we can be one. Now tonight, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And in the book of Ephesians, I want to share a scripture with you as we continue on this, on this theme. It says in Ephesians 5 and verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. But instead... Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. And make music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks to everything. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In this verse right here, in this, in this letter that is being written to a group of, of Christians, this letter is being written to a church, they're reading this letter to each other, and he's talking to them in a real blank, point-blank type of conversation. He's talking to them to, about, all through this letter, about the different ways that they treat each other, about the different ways that they act, about the different things that they do to each other. And he's trying to bring some clarity to their relationship and how their relationship has to function in order for them to be connected. And one of the things that he says in this brief section that we read is he says that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we need to allow the Holy Spirit into the places of our heart that we're, that we're dealing with. And then he says this about the way that we speak to each other. He says, it sounds funny in our culture, but he literally says, sing to each other. He says, take the songs of God. Take the things that are in your heart, the joy that you feel. Take those things that you have these emotions for God about 
and sing them among yourselves. Sing them to each other. Let your hearts be evident to each other. Give thanks for everything that you have. But then he summarizes this little snippet by saying some really, really strong words. He says, submit to each other. Submit to each other. Now, if I take this group of people that is here tonight, and I were to to gather you all together, and I were to have you look each other in the eye, and I were to say, each one of you needs to look eye to eye with every other person in this room. You have to look each other in the eye, and you have to have that conscious knowledge that I know who is here and who I'm looking at. And he says, with that full awareness, with that full conscious choice, choose to submit to each other. Now, we've talked about this word submit because submission is the absolute opposite of resistance. Resistance says, stay out. Stay out of my heart. Stay out of my life. Stay out of my business. You can come this far, but right here is my little circle, and you can go no further. Stay out. Resist. Protect. Guard. Don't let anybody in. And yet he says, submit, which is drop your guard and resist no more. Let each other in to your lives. Submit to each other. Now, as we begin this process of submission, we realize that this is truly the way that God in his heart envisions us to operate. But there's more to it, and tonight we're going to take a look at some of the unique ways that God has in his heart for us to operate. Take a look at this scripture, Ephesians 4, starting in verse number 3. It says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And then he says this, There is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. And then he says this in verse 7, however, he has given each one of us a spiritual gift or a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Last week, we talked about spiritual gifts. We talked about what is this idea of spiritual gifts, and we realize is that it starts with this concept that there, there we are again as one. And he says, not only are we one body, but we're one spirit. That word spirit literally means the air that fills your lungs. The air that fills our lungs is the same. In other words, you and I share the same breath. We are intimate. We are to be connected. We are supposed to be close so that when you feel pain, I feel it too. That when you smile and feel joy, I smile with you. That what you go through We are so closely entwined together that we go through it together. And he says, we're one body and we're one spirit. And he says here, he says, to keep yourselves intertwined or connected through peace, allowing God's peace to be the climate of the relationship. 
He says, we're one. But then he summarizes it all with this powerful thing. He says, but, however, each one of you is still unique in your own way. And through that uniqueness, Jesus has given you special gifts. He's given you unique gifts. And this word gift comes from the word charisma, which means a special grace that's generously and freely given to express the giver's heart. For us to look at Jesus, for us to look at God, and through His Holy Spirit to get a glimpse of His generosity, to get a glimpse of who He really is, and how in His beautiful diversity, He gives each one of us a special gift. Why is this so important? Why is it so important for us to understand this idea of gifts from God? Why is it so important for us to get this tonight and for us to talk about this? Because how many of you know it is so hard for us to connect with each other? It is so hard for me to open up my heart to somebody after it's been hurt and damaged. It is so hard for me to let myself be made vulnerable again after I've felt somebody stab me in the back or lie to me, or take advantage of me. It is so hard for this to happen that God knows that, and he knows that if we are ever going down the road to become one, it's not going to happen on its own. God has to supernaturally get involved in the process and allow this to take place through healing, through growth, through trust, through opening up once again. And the way that God has chosen to do this is through giving the church, his body, spiritual gifts. The purpose of spiritual gifts, we are going to find out, is for us to grow and to heal and to mature and to become one. That's what they're for. Let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read this passage, and it's got a lot of stuff to say, so open your heart. And follow along as I read it and allow these words to really hit you. It says, all of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. First are apostles. Second are prophets. Third are teachers. Then those who do miracles. Those who have the gift of healing. Those who can help others. Those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages or tongues, he asks this question. He says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in tongues or unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret tongues or unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. You should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. When you read this, when you see these words put in front of you, one of the things that pops out is once again the diversity, the uniqueness, the fact that God does not put us in a cookie cutter And he does not say, okay, let's line them all out. This is everybody that calls themselves a Christian in Lodi, California. Okay, get the cookie cutter out. Click, 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 and they all look the same. 
No. He says, this guy right here, let me pick this up. I'm going to fashion this, and I'm going to make him like this. And this, this woman here, I'm going to give her this. And there's each one in its diversity that is fashioned, that is made, that is unique, and that is all its own. And God says, celebrate this diversity. Paul in this letter says, are we all apostles? Do we all have gifts of healing or or have the gift of tongues? No. He says, it's not like that. There's diversity. There's uniqueness. There's diversity in the way that this is expressed. And the variety of gifts that are displayed here are there because of the heart of Jesus. They're the diversity that's in the heart of God. See, there's a reason that God has given us these gifts. There's a reason that they have been given to the church. It's because the gifts of God are given to hold us together as one body. The gifts of God have been given so that we would be fully functioning and healthy and healed and whole. The gifts of God were given because God knew that in this world that has been so depraved and has been so ravished by sin and has been so completely ripped from the way that it was intended to look, God says there has to be something supernatural to begin the process of bringing it back the way that I created it. And he says, I'm going to give something supernatural. I'm going to give these gifts to my church. See, when we think about a family, when we think about this, this concept of becoming one, it's really easy for us to understand this in a natural way. If you have the same last name as somebody, you don't even have to know them. And because of the name that you hold, you feel a sense of connectedness. I've shared stories of going to family reunions back on the East Coast from, from Southern Cal- South Carolina where all of our relatives from over there gathered and not knowing them from anybody, but because of the shared name, being welcomed into their home and being connected with and being talked to as if I was living with them all of my life because we had that commonality, we had that similarity. I don't know if any of you have ever known of a family that shared an inheritance before, but I do. I know of a family who had a father who worked very, very diligently and very hard to build a business. He was a farmer. And he built a family farm that he wanted to pass on to his children. And this farmer, his whole life, worked not just because he wanted to make a living, but he worked because he wanted to pass something on that would outlast him. And the reason that he wanted to do it was because in his heart, he believed that if he passed something on to his kids, that it would keep them together. He had a family gift that he wanted to give. He gave this gift to his kids and he says, Kids, come and work the farm. Come and work in the family business. Come and learn how to prune, how to plant, how to harvest. Come and learn how to do this because when I'm gone, this is going to keep you together. See, this father saw further than where he lived. 
And he knew that if he could just do it, his family would stay as one. But unfortunately, this story has a sad ending because when this man passed away, there were people in the family who allowed the greed to grip their hearts. And they didn't understand what the gift of the father was really meant for. And so they began to use the gift for their own purposes and their own devices. And they began to take the gift of their father and to twist it and turn it and make it about them and make it all about their name and about their fame and their fortune. And the very thing that was intended to keep this family together began to tear them apart. And the thing that had started as such a beautiful thing turned out to be a monster. Now this family that I'm talking about is not just a family in the agriculture business, but this family that I'm talking about is also the family of God. See, when we understand that one of the main reasons that God gave spiritual gifts to us, his family, was to keep us together, was to help us to learn how to minister to each other and to keep us whole. One of the tragic things that's happened is that these same spiritual gifts have been used as divisive things. With my own eyes and with my own ears, I've heard conversations and I've seen real-life examples of entire groups of people leaving churches because they didn't agree with the way that spiritual gifts were supposed to work. I've seen entire churches create new churches because they didn't understand the beauty of how God wanted the gifts that he gave to his church to operate. This has been going on for a long time, and as a matter of fact, it was going on in this same church that the author was writing to. They began to use spiritual gifts as things, instead of bringing them together, they began to use them as things that tore them apart. And he dealt with it. And he tells us, as we continue reading in this letter, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. He says, if I could speak all the languages or tongues of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I could understand all of God's secret plans and I possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything that I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way and it is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrong. It does not rejoice 
about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up and it never loses faith. It's always hopeful and it endures through every circumstance. Prophecy, speaking in tongues or unknown languages, special knowledge or prophecy, these things will become useless. But love, it will last forever. Right now, our knowledge is partial and it's incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy, it only reveals part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, then these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and I thought and I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I I put away those childish things. Right now, we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. In the book of Ephesians, Paul describes these spiritual gifts that he has given to the church. And he says these words, he says, God has given, Jesus has given some to be pastors or teachers, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be apostles. He says, I've given these gifts to the church, not so that they can do all of the stuff that needs to be done for the church, but he says, I've given these special gifts to the church so that they can make sure that all of the people within the church grow up and mature and become one. It's very interesting the way that he speaks in this letter. He says, he says it's as if every week when you gather together as a small family or as a small group of people, it's as if you're strengthening each other and you're causing each other to grow. And he says, when I have given these gifts to my family, the heart of God is for when we get together for these gifts to flow in our relationships so that when one person is feeling weak through the gifts of the others, they feel strengthened. When one person is feeling doubt through another person's gift, their faith rises. When another person is sick and they're feeling sick in their body, through another person using their spiritual gifts to pray for them, they feel healing come in their life. For another person who has questions and they don't know what to do, when they come together as a body, as a family, the spiritual gifts pour into their life through each other and the knowledge that they seek is given. This picture is a picture of God causing us when we come into the family in all of our jadedness, in all of our brokenness, in all of our complete hard-heartedness and unwilling to let people in. The heart of God is come as you are into our family. We welcome you. 
We invite you. We love you just as you are. But when you come, the moment you step across the door into the family's house, at the door, we're going to give you a gift. And when you get that gift, please share it. Share it with your family. Let it become a part of the dynamic that is at play in our family. This is not an isolated family. This is not an exclusive family, meaning that it only happens this way at Gravity Church or at Bethel Church or at Calvary Bible Church. No. This happens when we see each other in the grocery store. This happens when we move into the same neighborhoods with each other. This happens when our kids go to the same school as each other. We are not restricted by the church sign that we go to. Our family is global. It is worldwide. And wherever we go, God says, let the gifts of my love and of my spirit flow through your lives because I want you to be one. And the way that you will become one, the antidote to your hard-heartedness, the, the remedy for your sickness of being closed off to each other, the remedy is going to be shown to you through the love of the spiritual gifts as they flow. Now, if you've ever been in a situation where you have experienced a beautiful display of the spiritual gifts of God and Jesus, then you know how special they can be in a person's life. I've seen miracles. I, I, I've shared this story before, but when I was born as a, as a little boy, my feet, I'll step over here so you can see, my feet were pigeon-toed. As a little boy, my feet were pointed in like this before I could ever walk. The doctor looked at my feet and they saw that they were like this, and they told my parents, Jason's going to probably have to wear corrective braces on his feet. He's probably going to have to have something that's going to help him be able to walk without his feet being pointed in. The family of God, when it begins to function and flow, is a beautiful thing and it connects us and it brings about beautiful results. My parents had some friends and they invited them over one night for dinner, I think. As the story goes, I was little. I was there, but I don't remember quite the details. But being a little baby, some friends of my parents took my little feet in their hands and they prayed and they said, God, would you heal this little boy's feet? I can attest that my legs are as straight as a normal person's. God, through prayer, supernaturally straightened my legs out as a little baby. I'm grateful that the family of God shared their gifts. I'm grateful that I can run and play basketball with my sons because the spiritual gifts of God to his church were in operation and a miracle took place. Now that's a beautiful thing. But I have also seen the pain that can be 
brought into a person's life. I've also been in the conversations with people who have experienced a reality and an understanding of God in such a way that they began to let it get to their head. And their pride started to swell because they started to think, wow, God must really love me because I just prayed for somebody and look at what happened. God really touched them. And I, be, I have seen that pride swell in people's lives where the next step is that they begin to look at other people and go, well, you need to have the spiritual gift like I do. Me and God, we're buddies. And I've got something and you need it too. And if you don't get it, well, there's something a little wrong with you. And I've seen the devastation and I've seen the pain as a result of the spiritual gifts not operating in love, but operating out of pride and ego and how the very thing that was meant to keep a family together now begins to tear it apart. I've got people in my own family who have been told by other people in my own family that certain spiritual gifts that they don't possess, they need to. And as a result, I've got family members that are wounded today and they feel as if they're not as loved by God or as spiritual because they haven't experienced a certain dynamic that others have. Tragic. That farmer that I told you about who worked his whole life to leave an inheritance for his kids so that when he was gone, his family would be brought together and they would stay connected and they would be a, an, an, a relational, strong thing. His heart would be devastated if he saw what the gift that he left for his family had brought. He would have never lived the life that he lived and left the gift that he gave if he would have known that that inheritance would have torn them apart like it has. And just as that farmer would have felt that same regret, in order for us to experience the beauty of the gifts of Jesus right here in our to his church, it has to happen through an environment of love. When, when Paul says, let me show you a better way to live, he says it's not about who has the biggest or the loudest gifts. It's not about who has the public gifts and who has the quiet private gifts. He goes to great lengths to say that every gift is important and every body part is absolutely essential. And he says, if the ear says to the eye, hey, I can do without you. I don't need you. How foolish would that be? And the gifts of God's church are meant to operate in an environment of love and they are meant to bring us together, to be connected as one. For us to be one. Many of us here tonight agree with this idea of being one. 
conceptually, many of us agree with it. Many of us agree with this idea that I really need to drop my guard and let people in. Conceptually, we agree with it. But the problem is that real life experiences speak loud to us. The pain that we've been through leaves a scar that sometimes is almost impossible for us to forget. The things that we've endured and the things that we've gone through, they keep us quiet when we know we need to speak. Tonight we're going to wrap things up just a little different than we normally do. If you've been here before with us on a Saturday night, then you know that one of the things that we value here very, very highly is connecting with Jesus. There's lots of ways that we do that. We've realized that God is not going to be put in a box. And that means that if I tell you, this is what you need to do to connect with God, God, because he's God, is going to find a hundred different ways for you to connect with God. So we don't tell you how to connect with God here. We invite you into lots of different expressions and in lots of different ways. Some of the ways that we do that is through reading Scripture. If you've been around at any time, you've realized that we read a ton of Scripture here. We put entire passages of Scripture up in front of you. And the reason is really simple. Because some of you, many of you, have never read the Bible before. And you don't even know what it means, and you don't know how, what it says, and you don't know how it hits you. And so we put it up in front of you and we read it out loud because we believe that it's alive, that it's a book that's not just words on a page, but it's a spiritual book, and it's a book that God uses to connect with human beings. And when these words hit your heart, they cause a reaction. And so we read, we read Scripture here. We sing songs like crazy. We love music. If you walk in here and the place is quiet, then something's wrong. We always have background music going on because we believe that music is a gift from God to his church. And the gifts of music are to be celebrated because they open us up to God. We also believe sometimes in being quiet and listening and not talking and just being quiet before God and just being alone with our thoughts and opening up our heart through this quiet surrender to God. Next Saturday night is a very, very special way that we connect with God. Next Saturday night, we're going to be doing a water baptism service here. And for us who have called Jesus our Savior and have made him the Lord of our life and said, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow your message, your truth, and I want your love to hit my heart and I want everybody to know it. One of the things in Scripture is Jesus says, I want you to be baptized in water. I want you to do it as a demonstration to the world around you that you belong to me. And for many of us next week, that's going to be a special way that we're going to connect with God. And if you're here and you want that, then just talk to me tonight and we'll get you on the list. Another way that we connect is through communion. We believe that taking this simple piece of bread and dipping it in a simple cup of juice and looking at it and contemplating with our heart 
what it means is a very deep and meaningful interaction with God when we look at it and we let the reality that somebody died for me hit our hearts. It's powerful. That nobody gets through this life without paying the price for what they've done. We believe that God is a God of justice, which means that God is, is right in everything. That means that he can't look at one person and say, well, you know, for you, I know you had a hard beginning. Your family was really jacked up. So eh, you don't have to go through judgment. But you, man, you should know better. So you're really going to get it. No, God is just. That means that God has to deal equitably with all of us. And that's why every single one of us can never, ever come to God on our own because we do not have a prayer. We are too jacked up and broken. So when we come to these tables, we get to take a living, breathing emblem that reminds us of the fact that somebody took my rap. I was supposed to die because of the crap I've done. And somebody went before the judge for me and said, I'll take it. Take me instead. Somebody else had to stand before the judge and let the judge dish out the punishment while I got to step out of the way and let it happen. I don't know anybody in this world that could do that. But Jesus did it for me and he did it for you. And when I come to this table every Saturday night, I get to go, Jesus, you did something for me that nobody would ever do. I had a death sentence and you took the hit for me. I deserved to die and instead you took it. You took my place and I can't even believe it. And so I'm going to honor you by taking this and remembering it. Tonight, when you respond to God, you have to look at him. And then you have to look at your life and you have to say, God, you did something so magnificent for me, something that is so unheard of, that is so otherworldly, something that is so big. And in response, you want me to open up my heart to my friends you want me to open up my heart to the people around me so that I can connect with them and we can be the embodiment of your love to the world? I got to look at what Jesus did and went through and then I got to look at my pain and what I've been through. I got to hold them up and I got to weigh them and I got to say, is this fair? Is this equitable? Jesus died for me, the rap that I deserved. He took the hit and in return he says, be a part of my family let my love hit you. Let me heal you. Let me in and submit to one another. Submit and quit resisting each other. Let my gifts flow in your life and bring about the healing that you're dying for. If I could, if I could draw a line down the center of this room and separate you right now, half of you would be on this side and your hands would be at your side and you would be enjoying the love of God and the love of the people in your life because you've experienced the healing that only comes through letting go. But if I were to draw that line and put the other half on this side, you would have your dukes up so high, you would be ready for a fight, you would be doing everything that you can 
to resist and to keep everybody out because you are not going to let it happen to you again. And right in the middle of these two camps is this table here tonight. So you got to come and you got to hold up what Jesus has done and then you got to decide which way you're going to go. Are you going to surrender or are you going to keep resisting? Are you going to let us in or are you going to keep us out? Are you going to let the healing finally take place in your life because it's got to come through me and other people like me? It's the way Jesus created his church. Everybody starts off on this side. And I was the king with my dukes held high and nobody was going to get to know the real Jason. I had the mask that was unpenetratable. But I'm telling you, it's been a long, hard process, but I'm on this side now and I can't think of a better way to live than to let it all hang out and let come what, what may. And if you hurt me, it doesn't hurt nearly as bad as the games I used to have to play to keep hidden. It's not even close. Let me pray with you and then we're going to worship and then we're going to respond to God. Jesus, right now, I pray for my friends. I pray for every person that's in this room right now. I pray, God, that you would open their hearts up to the truth of your love and how big it is, how strong it is, and how it, it can handle the biggest situations that we throw at, at you. So, God, I pray right now that you would allow us to receive the gift of repentance. Pour out the spirit of repentance in this place tonight, God, that we would be able to receive all that you have for us, Lord. We love you, Jesus, and we need you right now more than we've ever needed you before. Come and be with us here, God. Come and be with us here now. Come, Lord. You've been listening to gravitychurch.com. 